from Panther Lair. You should follow him on Twitter. Visit the site. Listen to the podcast. Do the whole thing. Back on the block with us, ESPN Radio, Chris Peak. How are you, sir? Good, Brent. How are you, man? Living the dream, my friend. <laughs> and it has been a few hours since we spoke for your podcast. Uh, where can we find that, by the way? When can we find that? Let's give the people yeah. all the info. Yeah, we're going to have our big uh, Syracuse preview uh, episode come out tomorrow morning. Uh, obviously, uh, with, with you as the guest of the Syracuse expert, and I'll be talking about it from the Pitt perspective. And uh, it's a big one. Pitt's been off for a week, so we're all kind of antsy for football around here, you know? Well, that's interesting because they come off the bye week. Syracuse played Thursday night against NC State. We all saw how that went. And, you know, there's a lot of football things in, in a particular matchup I want to get into. But I actually want to start with a question that you asked me, and I want to get your side of this. And for two teams that have played every year since 1955, are in the same neighborhood, have a lot of history, Chris. When somebody uses the word rivalry with this series, my answer to that is always like, I guess. Like, what, what's your side of it when people phrase it that way? Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, we talk about the ACC sometimes, and there have been conversations on the message board on, on PantherLair.com about who's Pitt's rival? Who would really be a rival? And I kind of like, well, they don't seem to like Virginia Tech. There's been a little bit of dislike there. and picked out some interesting games. There was a bunch of personal conduct penalties in the Duke game. Maybe they don't like each other. I don't know. There's, it's hard to really find anyone. It's like, well, there's Syracuse. They play them every year. They've known them since the Big East. And uh, familiarity kind of breeds contempt, I guess. <laughs> Although it just hasn't really uh, manifested. I, I don't know what we need here. I mean, like, yeah, this is going to be, what, the 65th consecutive year that these two teams have played? Pitt hasn't, doesn't have any other active streaks that long. Um, I, I, I think you just need maybe some games of consequence between these two teams, which there haven't really been much uh, in the last couple decades, uh, and maybe some you know controversial endings, some uh, you know dirty plays. I don't know, something to breed a little bit of contempt between these two fan bases, but it's just it, it's just not there. And I think they could both benefit from it. I mean, I know uh, you know Heinz Field certainly you know Pitt does not sell that place out on the regular basis. Um, so I'm sure he's seen an uptick in season season ticket sales this year coming off of last season. But I mean, they can always use an extra boost. Getting you know the Pitt Syracuse game to be a, a draw or an attraction every year, I think, would be a huge boost for both programs. But it's just doesn't have any have any juice. <laughs> it doesn't, and that's surprising given the history. But you brought up the games of consequence. There hasn't been a lot of those, but boy, there's been some entertaining games between these two. The seventy six sixty one game a couple of years ago. The boy, as a Bills fan, I say the name Nathan Peterman these days, and I, I shudder to, 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 to do it. But I mean, he dropped seventy six points on Syracuse that day. The overtime game last year. Some other interesting matchups between these two. So it seems like all the ingredients are there. We just can't get this recipe to work right. Yeah, and they like you said, I mean, they played close games. I mean, you know, year after year, the last four games at the Dome at least have been three points or less. You know, each team has won two of those three games, and or two of those four. And the two that Pitt won, they won by a combined total of like four points. Four points. They're playing these close games. It's just you know none of the games have really meant anything. And you know that, that, the one last year was interesting because I mean Syracuse was was kind of riding high. I think they were ranked at that point, and Pitt was sort of reeling a little bit. They just gotten thrashed by UCF down in Orlando and nobody knew they were going to be any good. They expected Pitt to give up 600 yards and 70 points to Syracuse or something like that. And it was a bit of a revitalizing win for Pitt, but it was more about breaking a losing streak and beating a ranked team than it was about Syracuse specifically. Like I said, I think it's just 
you know, for the longest time these two teams played at the end of the season, I think we need to get back to that and then have something actually riding on that game. Or maybe, you know, since they're in opposite divisions, have them meet in the, the, the ACC championship game. And we'd somehow get far enough down the road and get these two programs advanced enough to, to meet in the postseason. That would probably really add some, some life to it. But, you know, short of that, I, I think it's just going to kind of be the same thing of, uh, well, I guess. Chris Peak is our guest on the Burdick Toyota guest line as the Orange get ready to take on the Panthers Friday night at the Carrier Dome. Chris, uh, it's not often we begin conversations like this when we really start to break down the game on the defensive line, but with Pittsburgh, you have to. They are second in the country only to Ohio State in sacks, plenty of tackles for loss, and they're deep. As you know, they've lost two of their best players on that defensive line, and the sacks and the TFLs keep piling up. How are they doing it? Yeah, it's it's really impressive. It's a testament to, to recruiting and development. Um, you know, and, and you don't even know where you really start with this group. I mean, like you mentioned, Rashad Weaver was expected to be the leader of this group as a as a redshirt junior defensive end. He you know tears his ACL in training camp. Never even played a game this season. This was supposed to be his big breakout year. Then in the first game, they lose Keyshawn Camp, who was you know maybe their best defensive tackle, or who we thought coming into the season would be their best defensive tackle, and they haven't missed a beat. If anything, they've exceeded the expectations we had for where they were going to be with those guys in the field. Jalen Twyman, the uh, redshirt sophomore defensive tackle, is, he switches number to 97 this year, which is what Aaron Donald wore uh, when he played at Pitt. And there was jokes about how he was inspired by Aaron Donald and this and that. But the reality is, I mean, he's been, you know, he's got six sacks or six games. He's, he's been dominant up front as a force up the middle. Patrick Jones and Desmond Alexander coming off the edge. Albuquerque Baldonado, a redshirt freshman, really having a breakout year as a defensive end. They're, they're talented and, and they're deep. Even with losing two guys, they still got some pretty good depth along this line. And, and it's really... Uh, they're, they're making so much happen for the guys behind them. You know, as we all know, I mean, if you get pressure on the quarterback, it's going to make you know tougher to throw. It's going to break up the timing of the offense and make the quarterback uncomfortable. And at the same time, they're getting good coverage on the back end, which is allowing the D line to get um, into the backfield and get to the quarterback, giving them an extra second or two to get there. It's it's really you know Panarduzzi's best defense. It's what he's been building for since he got to Pitt in 2015. And it's really kind of all coming together, and it starts up front. I mean, they're getting a ton of pressure up there. Chris, uh, I, I like watching to jump on the offensive side of the ball. Now, I like Kenny Pickett. He's just a fun quarterback to watch. I know he has his ups and downs, and that Duke game to go back to that. You know, they've got the 23-point lead. And then they blow the 23-point lead. But, he, look, he made the throws he needed to to win that game, a combined 10 turnovers in a wild one. Where are you at with Kenny Pickett? Because Syracuse fans have a little concern up here with Tommy DeVito. The offensive line's a mess. He's hurt. They're not quite sure if he's the heir apparent we thought he would be to Eric Dungy. Like, where are we at on your side of things with Kenny Pickett? Uh, you know, it's better than it was a year ago. I think there were a lot of questions about him a year ago, but there were a lot of questions about Pitt's offense and particularly the passing game overall a year ago. That's why Pat Narduzzi made a change, fired Sean Watson, hired Mark Whipple, the veteran coach, to come in and coordinate the offense. And, you know, the result has been, you know, Pitt's got one of the most prolific, if not necessarily efficient, but prolific passing offenses in the country. I mean, Pickett's thrown a, you know, a ton of yards. Last year, he barely got to 1,900. He played 14 games and didn't even get to 2,000. He's going to blow past that and doesn't need to really average, you know, he needs to average about 230 or so to come up with 3,000 passing yards, which has only been done a few times in, in Pitt history. Uh, you know, the, the passing offense has been much better this year. 
but it's taken some time to get going. You know, the first game of the season, they opened with Virginia. It's a tough way to break in a new offense, and, and it showed. I mean, there were a lot of warts in the passing game that week, but it got a little better the next week against Ohio, and it got a little better the next week against Penn State. And, and it's it continued to progress week after week. He missed their game against Delaware because he got banged up against UCF, and he came back, like you mentioned, the Duke game. Showed some showed some issues. I mean, he wasn't perfect in that Duke game, but when it came right down to it and he needed to lead the team down the field to win in the, at the end of the fourth quarter, he did it. And, uh, you know, he kind of did the same thing against UCF and even caught the game-winning touchdown pass against UCF. So I think overall, people look at it and say, well, I think it is better than he was a year ago. The passing game is better than it was a year ago. Uh, it's just still sort of steadily improving. You know, I, they haven't hit their stride yet. I don't think they've reached the potential that they have for a variety of reasons. Uh, and, and for Pitt in particular, it's, it's sort of step-by-step, game-by-game. And he's, he's more or less gotten better each week. And he needs to keep that up. And if he does, I think he'll have a pretty pretty good season and should set him up for a you know a really good season as a senior next year. Last year, in the overtime win by Pitt, Quadriolis and Darren Hall ran all over Syracuse. When you look at the Pitt running game this year, what do you see? Yeah, not that. <laughs> not not that by, by a long <laughs> shot. It, it's just not there. Uh, it's not uh, working. They have one 100-yard game by a running back this year. That was against Delaware. Um, it, it's just not happening, and part of it is due to commitment. I mean, Mark Whipple, is, is you know his intention is to throw the ball. I think they feel like their offensive line is better at pass protection than it is at run blocking, um, which I think you tend to see it go the other way, but that's sort of how they view it this year, and I, I don't entirely disagree with them in that assessment. Um, and it's, you know, some of it, I mean, they, they have a decent yards per carry average, you know, and looking at when they run the ball in first down, they're, they're not bad. They average four or five yards per carry. They're just not really committed to it. They're, the commitment is to passing the ball, and, and that's what they do. And they try to use short passes. You know, you always hear that sort of cliche about, well, we use a short passing game and, and replace, to replace the running game. Well, that, that doesn't work because, you know, you don't complete all of those passes, and when they're incomplete, they get Zero yards, usually your running game is going to at least get you one or two. Those are the bad runs. They get you still one or two. And Pitt just hasn't been able to establish it. They've got some decent backs on the, on the team. A.J. Davis and Vincent Davis, who's a freshman, and Todd Sibley behind them, and Bleak, uh, excuse me, Bleak Carter, who's, who's a good player, scored the game winning touchdown at Duke two weeks ago. But, you know, it, it, they just haven't been committed to doing it. They haven't done it a lot. And, and when they've tried, it just hasn't been effective outside of really just a few. Um, instances. And it's funny how much the pendulum has switched. I mean, last year, there were a few teams, you know, a few non-triple option teams that ran the ball more than Pitt did last year. And this year, there are a few teams that have thrown it more than Pitt has this year. They've completely flipped this offense around. They really need a balance. Uh, but what it's been through the first half of the season is pass, pass, pass. Chris, speaking of that passing game, Taysier Mack and Maurice French seem to get a bulk of the catches here, a combined 91 between the two right now. How come, at least so far through the season, it is heavily tilted towards those two receivers? They're, they're the best players on the, on the, in the passing game. I mean, they have some decent other guys, but I mean, those are the two that can really make it happen. Mack goes downfield. He can make tough contested, contested catches down the field and really stretch it that way. And French is the guy who you can get him, if you get him the ball in space, he can make a man miss and really take off and, and make something happen. And, and quite frankly, last year, when you look at some of their numbers, those two guys, uh, were criminally underused last season. You know, Taysom Mack averaged like 22 yards per catch or something, but only had 30 catches. You know, it's, it's like, wow, you're doing all this great work, but you're not getting the ball enough. And it was the same way with Marsh French. He needed to touch the ball a lot more than he did. Well, they're getting him the ball a ton this year. French maybe hasn't done as much with it as 
as I think a lot of people would have hoped or as maybe I even expected. But Mac has been um, a stud. He's got a touchdown in each of the last two games. He's really coming into his own and, and making some big plays for this team. And like I say, he's a guy who can go down the field, uh, in, and when he's got one-on-one coverage, Kenny Pickett trusts him that he'll put the ball up, and Mac has a better than 50-50 shot at coming down with him. You hear about 50-50 balls, I think with Casey or Mac right now, it's it's 65-35 in his favor. I mean, he's just able to go up and, and make those plays, and that's an element Pitt hasn't really had in a while. I mean, Tyler Boyd kind of did that, but it really even goes back before that to, to Jonathan Baldwin was the last guy who could really – fight for those those kinds of contested catches and make them, and, and that's where Tasty Mack is right now. So those two guys are anchoring this passing attack and, and playing pretty well in it, too. I think if anybody's benefited uh, in their careers out of this switch to Mark Whipple and his pass-happy offense, it's, it's French and Mack. Chris, really appreciate your time and your perspective today. Thanks for inviting me on your podcast. We'll look for that as well, and uh, we'll certainly look for you down the road, talk more uh, Pitt Panther uh, football and basketball. All right, thanks, Brent. I'll talk to you. Thank you, sir. That's Chris Peak, Panther Lair. Check it out, the site, the podcast, Twitter, especially this week to get you all prepped up and ready for Friday night. We'll go on the blind side next. Stay right there.